Welcome to the Woke Blokes Podcast, hosted by Nick Sutherland from MindFit and Ryan Hassan from the Center for Healing. Let's get into today's episode. Nick. Hello. We're back. We are back, but we're not in the same room. <laughs> no, I know. It'd be awkward if we were. We're just in different corners. What? <laughs> <laughs> it's just coronavirus, right? We're social yeah. distancing, but to, to an extreme level. Uh, so we're back with the podcast, which I'm very excited about. We'll think of this maybe as uh, season two yeah, I like of it. Woke Blokes. So uh-huh. obviously, um, you know, a lot been going on since, uh, I mean, we've been speaking since last time, but just not with the microphone turned on. Um, so since we spoke last, obviously the world's gone into a bit of panic with the coronavirus and everything, but we'll get into that. Let's start a, sort of, start off with maybe just saying what we've been up to uh, in that time since we recorded last. Well, I think time heals all wounds. So uh, <laughs> I didn't know there was no segue. I just had to yeah, yeah. I, I forgot we were doing that. Yeah, so. no, that's, why, that's why I put it in there. All right, so so the saying saying of the week is time heals all wounds. Yeah. Um, not so much of a silly saying like we normally do, but what are your no. thoughts around that that phrase? Well, my initial thoughts are that time is a man-made construct. So time itself does not heal all wounds. I think it's what we do within that period of time that heals the wound or that holds the wound open. So mm. I was... I wanted to chat about this and get your thoughts on it because I was talking with a client about it the other day and uh, I said, like, example, if you get two 18-year-olds and and they they both get cheated on by their girlfriends on the same day or something, yeah, and two years later, one of them is in a new relationship and he's sort of thriving and he's happy and blah, 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 and the other one's still all bent out of shape and buckled and twisted. There's been the same amount of time, but they haven't healed because they're different people and they manage you know, life events in very different ways. So they've got, mm. they've got different skill sets and, and tools and resources to use. Yeah, plus they had uh, different perception and filters at the time of the event. So it yeah. then may have affected them differently. So even by that little definition that you just give, then that's it's incorrect because if... If time healed all wounds, it would be the same for everyone because we've well, agreed we've agreed that this is how long a minute is, this is how long an hour, a week, a month, all that kind of jazz. If yeah. that were the case, then you could actually predict it. Well, in in three months, four days, six hours, eight minutes, and thirty six seconds, I'll be. Ah, oh, I feel good again. I'm I'm <laughs> ready to date. Go- I'm ready to date again. <laughs> you go to the doctors. What happened, son? Oh, I got cheated on. All right, in uh, one year, seven months, twelve hours. Yeah, you'll be good to go. Thanks, doc. Oh. What do I do in the meantime? Uh, Suck take, it up, mate. Take these pills. <laughs> take yeah, take antidepressants. <laughs> <laughs> oh, how funny! Yeah, well, look for me. You know, a lot of the work that I do is with someone's subconscious mind, and in the subconscious mind, time doesn't exist. Uh, it's this, it's this conscious construct that we have. So, like you said, we can have an event happen when we're five or ten or whenever it is, and if there's a significant subconscious wound there, then unless we go about healing that wound, time won't repair it. Yeah, uh, we we have to actively take part in that. And you know, there's people that are you know, in their 70s that don't want to talk about stuff from when they were five. Why? Because the wound's still there. It's lasted a lifetime. And and people struggle to 
uh, understand mental health and, and emotional pain and suffering and whatever. So it's always easiest to equate it to physical pain. And if, if you slice your leg open um, and you know, crawling through some sewage or something, it's going to get infected. Time is not mm. going to heal that wound. It's going to remain infected and have a, you know, when I, when I talk to people uh, about trauma, I use the expression septicemia of the emotions. And so we've had the initial trauma, we've had that wound. And because, you know, we keep taking things personally and make it about us or we don't go into acceptance or forgiveness or whatever it is that we need to do to, to help heal that wound, we'll, it'll start poisoning us, other parts of us, mm. uh, poisoning other parts of us. So it's the same as, you know, yeah, crawling through some sewage with a sliced leg open and shit's going to get in there and make it worse and it'll start affecting your arm and it'll affect your other parts of your body and being. Yeah, of course. Yeah, those those physical wounds that we get, time will only heal them if they're given the right conditions to heal. Yeah, but so if, they're like not, if, if they don't heal, they'll, they'll affect other parts. Yeah. Um, and I think the same happens emotionally. Yeah, no, if you do uh, brain mapping of someone, you can see the areas of, of their brain that light up and whether it's physical pain or emotional pain, it's the same area of the brain that's lighting up. So whether someone's getting stabbed in the guts with a knife or fiercely rejected by the person they love the most, that same area of the brain lights up. And that's why um, it's important when we're talking about, you know, addictions and that kind of thing. And mm. some drugs literally are painkillers like heroin and that kind yeah. of thing. But all drugs are painkillers at the end of the day. We'll, we'll, we'll find whatever helps take away that emotional pain. So it's like, you know, we we if if our nan breaks her hip, right, and nan has to go to a hospital and have a hip replacement and they just dose her up on morphine, which is like really pure heroin, um, yeah. no one bats an eyelid for like, just get nan right, you know, but yeah. um, people on the streets who are scoring and injecting heroin have, have been through very, very traumatic experiences that they haven't been able to overcome and the time isn't healing. And so they are taking a drug to deal with that and then people stigmatize them. We don't we don't call nan a junkie for going and taking morphine when well, she has the hip replacement. Imagine walking to the hospital and watching that fucking heat up a spoon and start inject, start mainlining some H chasing the dragon to get her hip done. It'd yeah, be- <laughs> and this is and this is uh, why the uh, like oxycontin and these uh, opiate pills and oh. everything have become such a problem because people are being prescribed them for physical pain, yeah. um, whether, whether they've just come out of a surgery or they have back pain or whatever it is. And then all of a sudden, this physical issue, they realize that because you can't just choose whatever medication you take goes into every single cell of your body. It doesn't just say, I just want to select this part over here that hurts. Yeah, it yeah. goes everywhere. So it also helps dull emotional pain as well. And so many people have nagging emotional pain going on yeah. that they start taking these pain meds. It's like, oh, oh, the pain's gone away, but I'm feeling a little bit less stressed and that kind of thing. So then when it's time to come off them, they find it very hard because all of the emotional pain that they were suppressing to deal with the physical pain mm. rebounds and comes back and then like shit i should start taking those pills again because that made me feel better about myself it's that band-aid fix though isn't it it's looking for something external to make us feel better instead of doing the work you know yeah which is fixed it's such a, a thing this immediate gratification yeah. i'm someone who's struggled with it my entire life and just the idea of a pill that solves all of our problems the magic um, wand 
Yeah, that's right. A magic you wand. Get that client, just get clients coming to you, and they're like, oh, if, I, love, I love saying, if, if we had a magic wand, what would, what would what would be different? What would change? They're like, oh, do you have a magic wand, please? And I'm like, no, fuck off. We're going to do the work. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not doing a magic wand. Yeah. Have you seen yeah, the a- uh, Have you seen the Louis Theroux doco on Netflix or Stan or whatever? One of those at the moment. Uh, it's it's uh, about uh, it's about prescribe. You know, the medical industry in America prescribing pills and the effect. I think I can't remember what town it was, Oakland or something, in the tri-state. Right. Yeah, and I, I've I've heard of this doco, but I haven't yeah, seen the full and thing. It's just the heroin rampant and rife and everything, and they all started off with painkillers. Yeah. So everyone talks about weed being the gateway drug, and then that leads to sort of ice and blah 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 uh, here in Australia. But I think yeah, prescribes painkillers are, are the biggest gateway drug. Oh, of course. And I think even the emotional pain in the first place is the gateway as well. Oh, yeah. So that's why when people smoke weed or they drink alcohol and that kind of thing, they're like, oh, my God, I, 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 feel, I feel okay here. I feel more at peace. Well, that goes into what we're going to talk about as well is, um, you know, as I said to you earlier, our base sort of thing, our base program is to survive, yeah, and to yep. procreate and to keep going. So when we experience pain, that's like a signal that we are under threat. Uh, and so we're going to do whatever we can to avoid that pain and to move out from that pain. <laughs> oh, hi in the background. Hi. Oh, little Tommy Brave was trying to uh, do a little cameo. I said, look, get, get, let us get three episodes in and then, and, then, and then we're happy to hear about your new truck that you got. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so everyone, everyone's trying to avoid this pain and avoid this suffering, which is so normal and understandable because by nature we don't like discomfort. Um, but I know through my personal experience, you know, when I was still toxic, when I had septicemia of the emotions because of the trauma from the army and um, I hadn't done the work around that, I was drinking and then anxiety was also my bodyguard. So it was sort of like, I'm experiencing pain and the bodyguards jump in and go, right, we're going to keep you safe. We're not going to let you leave the house. And that created, um, you know, an inability for me to even open my door and walk out to the letterbox. Mm-hmm. And so that was, that was the, the mind debilitating the physical body to protect mm-hmm. me, which you know, on one level is amazing, but that's just such an example of how it's not helpful in the long term. It, 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 it's good initially, but it's not helpful in no. of where we want to get to. No, I mean, we're just, we're so wired as human beings. I think all animals are just wired for survival and that's kind of our go-to mechanism because, you know, our DNA, everything wants to stay alive, propagate the species and, and proliferate like that. And it's like we spent the vast majority of time as human beings under physical threat. And so we need that survival mechanism to be able to uh, find food, to be, we might be attacked by other tribes, as animals, as that kind of thing. So right now we don't but have... We've outgrown all that though. Like Correct. We, we, we Correct. have evolved as a society. So the work we're trying to do, and I talk to every client about it, is trying to override that old, outdated human nature. And, yep. and we can only do that by getting out of our comfort zones and challenging you know, those beliefs that we've all created. 
A hundred percent, because now it's not a, a physical self that we're trying to protect. It's a psychological self. Yeah. So instead of worrying about a real threat to our life, we're worried about um, what Sally at work thinks about me or what that person said about <laughs> what I wore at the, to the party last week or, or, you know, that kind of thing. So it's just this, this survival mechanism to protect this psychological self, which is so flimsy anyway because that psychological self, can it can change like that. Like it's not like a, a physical body. It's not as stable. And it goes back to that, that quote I was saying about Seneca or Socrates, I think, uh, that we're more often afraid than we are hurt, so we're suffering more in imagination than we are mm. in reality. So, uh, yeah, there's an, a, another quote around that is, if you believe you have been harmed, then you have been harmed. So your mind is complicit in any of the suffering that you're experiencing. Yeah, there has to be a story. Yeah, it has like to be a story there. I took it, but that comes back to those beliefs. And I talk in my work about these three core um, toxic beliefs that I must be loved, I must be perfect, and I must get what I want. And if mm. if someone says, geez, you, uh, your hair looks shit, or why are you wearing those clothes? They question anything that you're doing. If there's an insecurity within you that's based from this, I must be loved and, and I must get what I want, which is for everyone to, to say nice things about me then we're just going to keep going to this cycle of suffering. So, yeah, and I think that those beliefs, like they're, they're so core to, to so many humans, aren't they? I think so many people struggle with uh, overthinking and not having this thing be able to shut the hell up. Yeah. And it comes from those three beliefs that you're talking about. It's like we, when we were young, we decided and we gave our mind the job that said, yeah, everyone needs to love me. I can yeah. never say the wrong thing. I always say the right thing. Everyone's got to like me. No yeah. one's going to not like me. And the brain's like, all right, I'll try. <laughs> and that's why and that's why it goes nuts and plays out every single scenario and everything that happened in detail. But if you have a think about it and you, you read those beliefs and I must be loved, I must be perfect, I must get what I want. It sounds like a five-year-old or a yeah. three-year-old. Yeah. It sounds, you can hear the immaturity. But in Buddhism, you know, the, the source of all pain is attachment. So we get attached to these beliefs and... Uh, we create an aversion to experiencing anything outside of them and we create such an attachment to a desired outcome to experience that love however we deem love to be mm -hmm. or to getting what we want which is praise and hey you're awesome so that attachment is causing so much of that suffering because we've got those crappy beliefs that are just not conducive to us being happy yeah i'd i'd, I'd love to talk about that uh, how love's received with what's going on at the minute. Mm. So we'll get back to that if I don't remember. Remind me. I'll write um, it down, Ryan. Can you put it on the on the run sheet? Love, love received. <laughs> I before E, except after C. Hang on, but there's a C, and it doesn't always work. So, okay. You'll bring it up in ten minutes, and I'm like, I don't know what the fuck I was going to say. <laughs> <about." laughs> but it's um, it's true. It's true. Um, but. You're absolutely right. It is a little five-year-old talking. You know, I was having this discussion with someone the other day about this um, idea of of fairness and around that. I'm like, there's nothing wrong with you wanting yourself to be fair and having that as a high value. But when you expect everyone else in the world to be fair, you're going to suffer because that's people have different ideas of what fairness is. And well, in, in this, this, this little this little voice comes out and just says no, but they need to be fair. And I'm like, this is once again, this is a toddler talking. But that's so in CBT, uh, cognitive behavior therapy, that's classed as an unhelpful thinking style or a cognitive distortion, yeah. okay? this sense of fair or unfair. So, and that comes back to this 
recalls that my life must be perfect and it's only perfect if things go my way and I always get what I want and there's smooth sailing and so fair is such an irrational concept and mm. when people are operating in that way they're living in the reality of what they think should happen or what they would do to other people or what they potentially think you know can happen instead of the reality of what is and the re the heart remember the hard truths that we did uh, the reality is that Nobody gives a crap about what you want, essentially. Everyone's in it for mm. themselves, by and large. You know? yeah. So the world, you are not the centre of the universe. The, the law of nature and physics and everything does not revolve around you and your irrational, outdated, immature belief system. Yeah. And if well, you, so you're, you're, you're part of those laws, but you're such an infinitesimal part of those laws, you're like, basically insignificant. Yeah, I've got the... I heard it before. Um, I, I heard someone say, oh... It shouldn't be raining and i'm like on what fucking planet do you live that yeah. the law of nature is going to revolve around you and what you think should happen or even humans for like someone in the bureau of, bureau of meteorology has built a radar and has deemed it's not meant to rain it's yeah. so such black and white thinking it's so irrational yeah yeah so, that's that's um if you were to do a cost benefit analysis on that you would be like that's 100% cost and 0% benefit to, to, to have your emotional state affected by what the weather's doing yeah. um, is, is, is just insane. I did it. But that, might, but that might lead on to what's, what's happening at the minute, you know, because um, I think a lot of people at the minute are finding themselves in different life circumstances and a lot of people are thinking maybe why me? Why is this happening to me? Well, the belief system, if you've got time, uh, which you do because you're living in Thailand now and you're living in Thai time. Um, we didn't even get to that, mate. We just spoke about you at the start. Let's <laughs> <laughs> make it all about me. Um, there's a great book called Buddhism for Beginners and by Steve Hagen. And in that he talks about the belief system and what – humans seem to do for some reason is we'll create these belief systems and we're trying to freeze things our beliefs will freeze things so it should be like this it shouldn't rain and if it rains then oh, that's fucked i can't believe it's raining it shouldn't be raining right now so we're we're not we're not observing enough we're not um sitting there mindfully observing free of these attachments to what we think should happen and just sitting there going oh that's interesting it's raining and, and work with it oh that's interesting the the world is experiencing you know a virus on a level that none of us have experienced past mm -hmm. generations have with different viruses but but this is all very new for us so all right let's let's just understand that we haven't been in this experience before and let's figure it out as we go but let's try and come together and let's do what's best for humanity and that's not what's best for ourselves and mm. All these people that are still going out in public and everything are, are so selfish, I think, in that regard. It's like, oh, don't care what they fucking say. It's, it's more about me and I need beer. I'm going to get beer. Mm -hmm. right, eh? Yeah, I think you're talking about being in a place of acceptance. And I think when we're in a place of acceptance, we lose the resistance that we have for what's happening. And that's where we get into so much. This is where you talk about this attachment and the mm. desire and aversion and everything is I've got resistance to what's happening right now, which means part of me says whatever's happening shouldn't be happening, which once again, talking about the, the, the rain outside, it's like, but people don't, don't generally care unless it's like, 
it's raining. Oh, but I'm meant to do this thing. I'm playing golf today or I was meant to go camping, you know, yeah. which if once it, again just comes back to me. If it doesn't affect them what they want to do, then they don't care. Oh, it's nice. I love the sound of rain because I had oh, we needed, food, Yeah, we, 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 we needed need rain. rain anyway. Yeah. The farmers will be happy. Yeah, good. Yeah. So <laughs> when, when it suits us, then we're okay with it. And that, that comes back to that belief. I'm getting what I want. I'm getting a clear sunny day because I'm going to play golf or I'm getting what I want because the lawn needs watering. So that's, uh, once again, uh, uh, that's irrational thinking and cognitive behavior. That's going to create this spaghetti brain. We're going to get so bent out of shape and not be able to see straight and think clearly. Mm-hmm. And, and it's all stemming from, it's all being triggered. That thinking is being triggered by these beliefs. Yeah, so yeah. It's, it's, it's cause and effect. And then th- those cognitive distortions create those emotional disturbances like anger and guilt and shame and, and frustration and depression and anxiety is a massive one. So instead of focusing on trying to reduce the symptoms of those with a magic wand and a, and a pill and, and you know, a coping mechanism, come all the way back down to the root cause of it and let's print out your belief system Mm. Ah, you're a 40 year old male operating off the belief system of a five year old. Mm. How's that work? No, I'm not. I <laughs> <laughs> oh, know you are, but what am I? Telling my mum on you. <laughs> I'm a ma. <laughs> Telling my mum on you. So, you're right. We need to evolve. We need to, we need to, work, at, we need to work at the root. Which is we're, what you're saying. But we need to emotionally mature. We need to evolve. And, and because of that, what we were talking about earlier, we're surviving. People get so hell-bent on surviving. And when you think of surviving, to me, an image comes into mind of just keeping my head above water. Mm. Yeah. So we're in survival mode. There's no room then to, to grow and to be free. And, and I think we need to learn how to thrive instead of just survive. And, and we can only do that when we free ourselves from these beliefs that are creating that survival mindset. Yeah, yeah. Which is, I think, the reason that's powerful and maybe counterintuitive to people is because we, the, the belief is the root and the belief is where it starts. And then that starts a lot of these negative patterns and these negative emotions that come along with it. But it sort of starts these patterns in our life. But then we look at the patterns and think that they've caused the belief. So yeah. it's like, oh, I feel this way about relationships because it's happened to me so many times. So we, then we look for some kind of strategy to find someone different. But the belief in the first place is what started all those patterns in relationships. So instead of working at the root, we just want to know some sort of tool or trick we can do to, to jump on a different path. But we've got to look a bit deeper than that. Yeah, because we're, once again, we're so conditioned just to take in the easy path. I'm just going to fix this. Uh, but mm. it's funny that people then start bouncing in and out of distortions and disturbances because they got this old, outdated, immature, irrational belief that's driving this distortion that I should, uh, it shouldn't be raining. And then they'll feel angry, which is this disturbance. And, but then they'll go back into another distortion and use, oh, it's not fair that it's raining. And then they'll get even more disturbed. So they start compounding and doubling and tripling mm. and quadrupling mm-hmm. their disturbances and then find themselves in such a state that when you know one of the kids who comes running in the house and trips over just because they're being a kid oh you fucking idiot what are you doing you know mm. and you'll have this your capacity to um your, your, your tolerance is is nil because you're so you're so scattered yeah and you're so disturbed yeah yeah 100 yeah, so how do you see how are people 
in your opinion, reacting to this current situation of being in lockdown, being in isolation, uh, having financial stress, a lot I of uncertainty? Lo- I, love, I love watching watching it and I talk to my clients about it and they're all, this isn't a shameless plug, but they're also happy that they've been doing this work because they said, if I hadn't have done the work with you, I'd be in a very different state with everything that's happening. You know, I had a yep. client lose 130 grand investment. I said, how's that? He's like, oh, well, I can't control it. So I can only control how I feel about it. And I'm just sitting there going. You're like, <laughs> let me bow at your feet, master. <laughs> and this other dude is like $3 million in debt. And, you know, he's a farmer. He's just had a kid. And he's like, oh, no, it'll be what it'll be. We got, we've been dry for eight years and we got flooded. So it's one extreme or the other. And so they're all being so flexible and going with the flow and just trying to manage what they can do instead of what they can't do. But then they talk about people in their lives and like, you know, they're going one of two ways. They're going into acceptance and being the bamboo and being flexible and adapting and adjusting and all right. Yep. Okay. Well, I can't do that. So what can I do? Or they're becoming very rigid and stuck. So we're, we're either moving or we're getting stuck and that the belief system is what's creating that stuckness. If that's a word. Yeah, it's a word. Yeah. So, yeah. so what are the, what are the people who are getting stuck sort of, what are they feeling? Do you think? They're agitated on yeah. you know, a deep, deep disturbance. And it's, uh, it's, you, know, you can hear all the cognitive distortions, all those unhelpful thinking styles in play. It's not fair. They're going to the worst case scenario. We're going to be like this for forever. Um, they'll jump to conclusions. Oh, the government's doing that. They'll go into conspiracy theories. They'll mm. go into um, it, just all of these. They'll take it personally. Oh, you know, oh, I can't do this. It makes it about me. So the ego is heavily involved with those people Yeah. where the ones that are flowing is it, they're, they're more operating off a we sort of concept instead of a, yep. a me. Looking at the bigger picture. Yeah. yeah I've, I've found, I've been getting a sense that a lot of collectively, it's been a lot of fear and I feel like that's now still fear, but merging into anger. I'm finding people starting to get that agitation to becoming anger and they are getting angry at the government, their friends or fa- their family that were stuck at home with the situation itself. But it's all this um, heavy resistance to, to what's happening. Yeah. So in, in my work, we've got the five fundamentals and beliefs is the fourth and then thinking styles is the fifth one. But the second one is those basic human needs. Um as per Dr. William Glasser. And so he, he coined reality theory, therapy and choice theory, um, which are both modalities that I use. And so his five um, um, basic human needs are to feel empowered, like we can make decisions and choices, mm-hmm. to feel a sense of belonging, um, to feel lighthearted and to have some fun and laugh. Um, to power, belonging, freedom. Oh, yeah, freedom as well. So physical or emotional, communic- free to communicate and express. Uh, and then survival as well. So food, water, shelter, knowing mm. everything is going to be okay. So if we step back and look at, you know, Mike and Dave. Dave's done some work, some personal development. Dave's sort of not operating off as much of these irrational beliefs. Dave's going to be able to meet his own needs because he's going to be emotionally free from 
those crappy beliefs to go, oh, well, I can't do that anymore, but I'm going to try and do that. I'm going to try and do it. I'm going to explore this. I'm going to see what can happen there. I'm going to jump on Skype. I'm going to embrace this. So he's going to still going to feel empowered to a degree. He's still going to have that sense of belonging because he'll find a way to connect. He's still going to, you know, laugh his way through this whole situation because he can. Um, uh, Victor Frankl, everything can be taken from a man, but the last of his personal rights to choose how he feels in any given situation. Mm-hmm. So if, if Victor Frankl can go through four concentration camps and survive the Holocaust after losing everything, I think we can get through this. You know? mm. So where Mike, however, can't meet his own basic human needs. He can't be emotionally self-sufficient because he doesn't have the capacity to because his mind is so bent out of shape and he's focusing on all the negatives and it's not fair and he's taking it personally and it's worst case scenario. So they're, they're you know, two very different operating systems that are creating two very different outcomes and experiences for people, but it's the same stimulus. It's just all, we're all under the same stimulus at the moment. Yeah, that's right. And people reacting very, very differently. Yeah, um, well, one's reacting and one's responding. Correct. Yeah, I saw some um, stats the other day about what's obviously industries are declining or what industries are growing. And I did notice the growing industries are alcohol consumption and on, and online gambling. Yeah, <laughs> I, I was talking to someone the other day about online gambling and that's just going to be spiking. It's it's uh, it's gone up by 100%, so it's double wow. uh, well, in mental, the last little mental, bit. Reported mental health um problems have increased by 40 percent in the first two right. weeks um, yeah it's, it'll be interesting sometimes yeah it's hard to get those stats they lag a little bit but yeah. i'm interested to see we won't know for a while but like suicide numbers but there's also going to be many un- unreported uh, oh yeah as well so the numbers aren't going to be a true representation yeah which is and, and we and we know that by looking at these industries that are going up yeah. and um i know a lot of people are running into issues and I, this will come back to my little note that you took about uh the way love's received Ooh. is that we're, we're in a we're in a culture of doing 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 and always trying to stay busy and always trying to be productive and now that's been shut down completely and now this is why people will come out of this period with drinking problems or depression or anxiety or whatever it is is because they're not able to do that anymore and when myself is so invested in what i do as opposed to just who i am as a as a being or or a soul mm. i'm going to run into strife and a lot of the, the that basic belief you spoke about about needing to be loved or everyone has to love me um then you can build on that and say well how did i receive love when i was younger and um, for a lot of people, and um, you know, I'm, I'm, I was in this boat as well, uh, we tend to receive love. It's no one's fault. This is just sort of our culture and how it goes. But we, are, we receive love by what we do, by achievement, right? So it's always we like- We spoke about this with Tommy when you, Tommy was first born, didn't we? Uh, and, you quite possibly. You don't want him to be a good boy or a bad boy based on what he does. You just want to give him love. Yeah, and it's 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 kind of counterintuitive because I would you would get praise from parents and everyone when you made a fifty in cricket or you played really well at footy or you get praise when you come home with an A or an A plus in a certain area. So over time, you could that's that models you where you're like you don't think it consciously, but you're like I'm going to get that attention and love that I need. I've just got to do A, B, and C. So it just becomes from I'm loved for who I am as a being, but I'm loved for what I do. And then that and then once again, I know you want to jump in, but just hold on a second. No, no, no. Hold on. Oh. <laughs> Listen, I'm listening. And so 
then we, like you spoke about where the little child goes, I want to be loved. We grow up and be the adult and we subconsciously just still play out these patterns. So it's like, I, I work, I work, I work, mm. or I, or maybe I provide for the family, I, I play golf on the weekend, but everything, I still receive love like that little kid based on what I do, right? Now, all of a sudden, that doing gets taken away. And it's like, you're not coming into work. Um, some people have lost their jobs, but you're, we're staying at home and there's no... There's no like, oh, I'm just ducking out for a bit to see my mates. Oh, I'm just going to go out and do this. You know how many times we do that? People just duck out for uh, reasons that seem valid, but just because we don't want to sit and be alone. So now that we're in this situation, a lot of people who are really identified with doing, which underneath that is that's how they feel loved, are now feeling like that part of them is missing. So now this is where we will see drinking, gambling, all that kind of stuff increase, which is an inability to be alone. Yeah, okay. Uh, and. I talk to people about being still, you know, we're human beings, let's learn to be still and live in, live slowly and everything, where everyone is in such a rush. Um, and so I think this is good because it's teaching people to slow down. But the, the parent who positively reinforces a child you know, scoring 50 in cricket or whatever, even that comes back to that shitty belief that I must get what I want. The adults operating off, I must get what I want, which is for my child to be um, amazing yeah. at something. And when they are amazing at something, yeah. oh, I'm going to love you. So it's so conditional. Do you know Do you know what, what one of the biggest things from running my center that broke my heart, and I'd see it time and time again, I would speak to parents, so their son or daughters come in and got this addiction issue and after chatting to them for 15 20 minutes it was abundantly clear their number one concern wasn't that their son or daughter was addicted it was how it looked to their friends and family yeah i've had the same as well it is heartbreaking what were you saying about loneliness i saw a article on facebook by jill stark i'm not sure who jill is but um she was talking it's mitchell stark's mum right okay <laughs> no nah, sorry tony stark's mum that's uh, all right, so, so she said, I don't consider myself a lonely person. I enjoy my own company, embrace the perks of living alone, and rarely feel deprived by being single. But in the age of coronavirus, I'm struggling. There was a moment last week where it hit me. I might not touch another human for six months, maybe even longer. The realization gave way to a profound sadness, a yearning that I felt deep in my bones. The psychologists call this skin hunger. Emotionally, we don't do well with prolonged periods of physical isolation. We have a primal need for connection, a, base, a sense of belonging, William Glasser. Um, touch reduces stress and releases oxytocin, the feel-good cuddle chemical. At this time of social distancing, everyone is feeling the loss of closeness to people they care about. But for many who live alone, that loss is being felt more acutely. Uh, Friends for Good, a Melbourne service tackling loneliness, has had a 200% jump in calls to its helpline in recent weeks. So the rules in Victoria, where she lives, state that for those living alone, we can only spend time with one friend if outdoors exercising and staying 1.5 metres apart. So she said, I fully accept the need for these measures, but it's a tough situation. And it's made tougher by the public messaging on how we should weather this storm. At a recent press conference, the Prime Minister urged us to keep your family close and together. Chief Medical Officer Brendan Murphy told Australians not to travel this Easter, but stay home with your family. These messages are well-meaning, but completely erase the 2.3 million Australians who are living alone. 
Hmm. We're not all hunkering down at home with family doing jigsaw puzzles around the fireplace like a scene from a Christmas card. The assumption that we are only that we are only heightens the sense of isolation. I know that in these unsettling times, nobody has it easy. Constantly being around other people in close confinement, even if you love them, brings its own challenges. I also know how lucky I am to have my job, my health, a safe place to call home, and a network of friends and family who I connect with daily. Still, even as someone comfortable with time alone, I've been knocked by how hard this physical separation has been after just a few weeks. So she goes on and on and on a little bit more, uh, checking with people. But that really resonated with me because... I live alone and I, I usually love living alone. got my own space. You know, mm. it's, it's good. But you're right. I can just pop out and see a friend or I come to work and I see all the other therapists work, that work in the building where I rent my office from. Uh, I'll see four or five clients in person in the, in, you know, throughout that day. Mm. Uh, so I, I have that human interaction. I'll give a lot of my clients hugs. I'll, yep. you know, pat on the back here, a handshake there that you don't really notice the amount of times that you do come into contact physically with someone. So I was very, I realized I was very dependent on, on, you know, certain scenarios in my life occurring in order for me to feel good. So yeah, this has hit me pretty hard as well. Yeah, no, no, that's um, really interesting article because it's true. I mean, there is a basic need for touch. And like you said, oftentimes it's very unconscious that we're doing it, but oftentimes we don't notice these things until we get taken right down the extreme end of not having any of that interaction. I mean, if you if you take a baby and when a baby's born, if it doesn't get physical touch, it will die. Mm. You can give that baby all the nourishment, like food, milk and all that kind of jazz, but if it's not actually held, it will die. So like from a baby point of view, it's very important. And it, and it creates a bonding that's so essential for its future, how it operates in future relationships as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and oftentimes uh, kids that there is a strong correlation with heroin addiction and kids who didn't quite develop because when you get the physical touch, yes, it's oxytocin, which is bonding, but also that's uh, uh, opiate receptors. So we, we release a lot of opiates when we're held by our mother mm. when we're a baby. Um, so when those don't get formed properly because the mother's not there physically or sometimes not present, um, we don't develop uh, in that way. And then people grow up and get older. They feel very barren and never feel like they're held. And you ask a heroin addict what that first shot of heroin felt like, they'll say a big warm hug. Look, and, guess, and in that Louis Theroux doco and through other clients that I've worked with, they talk about this hole in them, that, that yep. this void that can't be filled. And they're trying mm-hmm. to fill it uh, or trying to make it feel like it's full, but uh, uh, they're searching outside themselves to find that. Yeah, and and it, it's yeah that's the, it's the classic drug addict void that uh, is there and and drugs. How did how did you fill your void? So uh, <clears throat> the, the, so let's go back. So the void there is definitely a void there, right? And the void you don't know where it comes from. You don't know what the deal is. You don't know if other people have it. You assume people have, it, but then you see most people and you're like they seem like they don't have a void. They seem somewhat fulfilled and happy. Um, so you always feel empty to an extent, and then all of a sudden you find something that fills that void. Now it never fills it completely. Right, but it might only fill it a quarter of the way, maybe at best halfway. And we're talking about drugs and alcohol here. Mm-hmm. Um, but all of a sudden, some filling of the void is better than the nothingness that exists normally. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. So 
we, we keep going back to that and keep going back to that. And, and in the end, it's hardly feeling the void and the void's getting bigger, but we just keep going back there because we don't know any other way to be comfortable with ourselves, even if it's only for a short time. That's yeah. uh, Keith Richards, the um, great musician, once said, the contortions that we will go to just not to be ourselves for a few hours, um, which is very, very, very true. So uh, I was very, very lucky because when I decided I needed to get help and, and reached out, I had an experience where I went back to traumas from my past and started to release a lot of emotions, which is where this void started. I didn't know that, right? I thought this was something I was just born with and it was going to be with me forever. Um, so basically, I, I had an experience where I felt such a deep inner peace that I had never felt, as long as I could remember, I don't know, maybe when I was born and first couple of years I felt it, but I felt this peace all of a sudden that was the filling of the void, right? So what happened, I had found a state I had uncovered through doing some deep work on myself, which filled the void way more than drugs ever did. So, so at pe- that pe- peace filled the void. Correct. Yeah. yeah. So my my I had this this misperception of what I was looking for. I was just looking for because I was mainly uh, stimulant based and different personalities go to different drugs. Mine was mainly stimulant based, but I was looking for just energy, 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 energy. I wanted to feel good all the time, high, high energy. Um, I just lost peace for like the majority of my life. I'd forgot that it was even an option. And so when I felt that deep state of peace, it was just like, this is what I've been looking for my whole life. And I've been looking in completely the wrong places. I was on the different road. I was heading away from it, not towards it. So I I was lucky enough to- I had to go within, right? And and that was uh, something I had to experience because if someone said to me when I was a drug addict, you just got to go within, I'd be like, fuck off. But you mean put drugs in my body? Yeah, that's what I'm doing. <laughs> I am, I am. I'm going in through the arm. <laughs> so um, I was lucky enough because th- at that point, drugs become irrelevant. That's why it only took, it took one moment for me to go, I'll never need to use drugs again because I just felt like the void got completely filled. Right, and over here, I was destroying my life and only filling it up a little bit of the way in that process. Mm. Right, so now that, but if I don't have that experience where I can feel as a whole as a human, then I'll just keep going back to drugs. So the that's amazing, and and, and a credit to you for you know, going down that path. And yes, there's some luck involved, but you also decided you had to do the work and got out of your comfort zone and did all the things that you need to do. So, um. I spoke before about the fundamentals and needs is the second one. The third one is relationships. And so when I'm working with people, I want them to step back and um, objectively evaluate their relationships. And we're in a relationship with anything that we invest time and energy into. So mm-hmm. it's, it's with the car, it's with people, it's with our jobs and, and the money that we earn and all this sort of stuff. It's even with our thoughts and emotions. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I spend time thinking and, and being aware of them. So... Um, I remember when I stopped smoking, it happened so easily for me because my relationship with cigarettes changed and I mm. realized that it was so irrational to smoke and it just didn't make sense. And when I, when I broke through that illusion that I needed cigarettes to be cool and for people to love me and to be you know, included and blah, 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 uh, it was like, cause a cigarette is an inanimate object yeah mm-hmm. and so i was the one giving it energy and i heard people say oh smoking has this power over me and i'm like that's 
I'm going to call bullshit on that. It, it doesn't have power over you. You, it just resonates with you on some deep level. And so when I changed my belief, I changed my perception, which then freed me up to change my reality. And I could, I how could did change, you do that? I could change well, well, by, by, um, applying logic and rationality onto it. I was like, okay, imagine cigarettes are a person. It's, it's a girl. I'm in a relationship with this girl called cigarettes or, or nicotine. And I went, right, she's making me stink. She's spending all my money. She's Nicky, slowly poisoning nicotine. me. <laughs> <laughs> nicotine, just ducking out for a bit, Nicky. Dale. Um, yeah, so I looked at what I was getting out of the relationship and it was nothing good. What I, what I was, the only thing I was really getting was based off a, an old, outdated, invalid belief. So mm. when I applied logic and rationality to my relationship, it, it was it broke so easy. Yep. And I, I, I no longer needed it. I wasn't reliant and codependent. I, I could change my relationship with it. And I went down the pub that night just randomly. His friend rang me up and I was like, oh, I don't know. Everyone will be smoking and should I, shouldn't I, blah, blah. And I, I went down there anyway. And it was so weird. I, it was like an out-of-body experience. And I was just sitting there in the beer garden observing everyone smoking. And I kept checking do I need one? And there was just no attachment there. There was no connection with it. That's what happens when you change a belief. That's what we've been talking about yeah. in this episode. Like working at the root, all of a sudden it doesn't, it's not this shit fight where you have to fight off this urge all the time. No. Just because that's happened in the past doesn't mean it has to continue that way. I love what you said, how it was just an enamored object because that's what I always say about drugs and people get yeah. pissed off because like, because it's a war on drugs, it's a war on ice and I see parents going, this just evil fucking drugs taking my son. I'm like, you need to understand this is just an enamored object that exists. It's like right? having a war on bricks. Yeah, stupid bricks. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. Yeah. Really- yeah, we can't. Um, and yeah, the war on drugs, funnily enough, well, it's gotten worse since war was declared. Yeah. Well, the, the war on terror, I mean, it's just a war on a belief system. That's all it yeah. is. Exactly. Yeah. So it's, um, yeah, no, you're right. Just an enamored object. So yeah, that's interesting with the smoking. Yeah, that's, it's a good way of looking at it. It's well, we I'm give the that. power. Our, our beliefs create our perception, which creates our reality or our beliefs create our thoughts, our thoughts create our feelings and our feelings ultimately dictate our behavior. So if you want to change your behavior, you've got to go all the way down to the root cause, which is the belief that mm. now I, when people would say to me, why don't you quit smoking? Nah, I'm not a quitter. If I start something, I finish it. Like, can you hear how irrational that is? <laughs> when, it, when, I'd, when I'd see an ad, a quit ad to stop smoking, I would light up in defiance. Like, Rebel, you, rebel. You can, you can hear the immaturity in it. You can yeah. hear how emotionally immature I you're was. Not gonna tell, you're not going to tell me what to do, advertisement. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But I started smoking when I was like 13 or 14 to fit in because I had no friends. So it came back to, I, I want to be loved. I want to be liked. Um, so as a how was it, 30-year-old adult male, I was operating of the belief system of a 13-year-old. Mm. So I wasn't emotionally free to act my age and act um, how I wanted to act, which was to not smoke. Yeah, so that's just freeing yourself. So, and people, if you don't have that awareness of why you're doing some compulsive behavior, it's very, very simple. If you want to know why you do something, just don't do it and watch what happens. <laughs> it's like, so never, it's like, don't, so, 
don't go into a relationship with a person until you've spent an hour with intermittent Wi-Fi with them. Because <laughs> you'll see, you'll see. The, it's so it's, it's like the coronavirus, but a, a micro example of it. It's like when we're not getting what we want, uh, you'll see. You can see the belief system a person is operating off. They'll start having a tan, an adult tantrum, stupid fucking Wi-Fi. Right? They'll get angry that their emotional state will become disturbed, mm. and you can see. I can see the root cause of where that's coming from. I'm not yeah. getting what I want. Yeah. And that's how people can find out, you know, someone might be a smoker and then we just say, I'll oh, just become conscious for a moment. And when you feel like you really need a smoke, just don't, don't say we're not going to do it forever. Just, just yeah. don't do it and watch what happens. It's like, well, I get really, really, really agitated and I feel like I need it to relax. Okay, great. We just got the first level, the first layer of causation, mm. right? Now we need to go, okay, why do you feel agitated and that you need to relax? Why are you not relaxed right now? And if you sit through that, you might get to the next layer and it might go back to, yeah, I need to do it to fit in. Um, I, I only connected with my dad when we smoked together, whatever it is, but you'll eventually get to the root and then you just got to let that go. And all of a sudden, like you said, you can go to the pub and just be like, I am not compelled to smoke at all because I'm That's not, funny. I'm not that fucking teenager anymore. <laughs> and, and it's, and, and but you know you said you can go all the way back to it and you so you can imagine that there's a thread yeah mm. and that thread we can imagine is an attachment so that attachment the source of all pain is attachment so once you can cut that connection and, and detach from that root cause that's going to free you up to alter whatever it is that you're doing yeah yeah which is beautiful which is why we can change which is amazing Another thing on um, we're talking about relationships and you touched on loneliness before. Um, Johan Hari, uh, who wrote Lost Connections and Chasing the Scream, he sat down with the, I don't know how you define yourself as this, but the top expert on loneliness research in the world. And, um, <laughs> oh, I hate the word expert. And um, I don't know if anyway, he uh, he was described that way. And anyway, that he has done extensive research on yeah. why people feel lonely, and it was interesting. They he found that there wasn't really any correlation with feeling lonely and actually being alone. No, right? they're two very separate things. Very separate things. But so what he found the main correlation with this feeling of loneliness was not sharing anything meaningful with others. So that's around having not just a lot of friends and surface level stuff, but it's being able to share something of meaning um, with, a, with a select few people. So do you think that's why social media is so rampant? Because people are sharing things that are meaningful to them? That's a good question. Are people sharing stuff that's meaningful? To them, it is. Mm like photos of their holiday and this and that. It's, or they're doing it to put up a facade or to, to prove I, to the world that they've got a great life or whatever. That There's, there's definitely that. Um, yes. I I think, yes, I just now I'm just formulating my thoughts about it. I think, yes, that's what people are chasing, but like the void with the drugs, it's not going to get filled um, by, you know, 100 people who you barely know liking it will give you a little bit of fleeting validation but it's not fulfilling. It's very much like drugs, actually, now that I'm describing it. I can't remember who the, the – oh, fuck, I wish I had it, the exact quote, but it was it was along the lines of um, being angry and yelling at someone or something is equivalent to being hungry and strapping sandwiches to your body. It's like, it's, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's not going to 
satisfy you. It's just right. Yes, yes. Yeah, that's. I'm. It's, it's very much like drugs now. I'm describing it because, like, yes, I want to post something meaningful. So, like, I want to post this. Look at the new fucking dress that I got. Yeah, it's bloody this. Blah blah blah. And it's like I get 150 likes, and I'm like, oh, it feels good. Yeah. Right? It's like the hit of a drug. Yeah. But then it wears off until I post the next thing. Yeah. This one gets 40 likes, and I'm like, oh, oh. this is bad gear. <laughs> So that that's that's what that's what I term as outsourcing your happiness. Yeah, you know, we yeah. either we're either inherently happy and have A, B, and C in place, and things can come, things can go, and people can say nice things about us, and people can be derogatory towards us. It doesn't affect us that much. But people that are outsourcing their happiness need X, Y, and Z to happen in order for them to feel happy or what they perceive happiness to be. And you got to remember. I'd say ninety percent of the world perceives happiness as getting what they want, being loved, um, and you know, th- doing well at things. Mm. And th- they're those three core shitty beliefs. This is a good point. This is a good point because I think if you if you say to someone, "Okay, write me a list. I'll give you one week. I need you to write me a list um, of all the things that that you want, the things that, that would make your life complete." And they would write shit like, I want the perfect partner. We get married in the Whit Sundays. Uh, I want the Ferrari, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, how would you feel if this stuff you know, happened? It's like, I would, feel, I would just feel happy, fulfilled, and peaceful. So, all right, what if, what if we cut out the middleman? And instead of wanting all this shit because it'll make you feel that way, why don't you make the goal feeling that way? <laughs> then you win no matter what. But people can't wrap their head around that. Because we're so yeah. conditioned to needing stuff to make us feel better. Yeah. So it's it's funny you know, working with clients coming in here. You know, the, the golden rule of the MindFit program is that you are responsible for your own happiness. Not what someone else says or not what, you know, if you win Tatsoto or not if you, you get that watch you've been after for ages, but it's, it's you are responsible for your happiness. And everyone understands that on a conscious level. Like, oh, I ask them that question and every single person will go, well, I am. And I say, so are you happy? And I'll hold that space for them and then they'll eventually get to, well, no, I'm not because I'm here, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I'm like, okay, so I'll ask the question again. Who is responsible for your happiness at this point in time, who or what is, is being responsible for your happiness. And they realize very quickly that they've outsourced their happiness because you know, their boss is a prick or their wife's not talking to them or something. Or it rained when they were going to play golf. Yeah. <laughs> so, and I said, do you want to be happy? And they're like, yes. And I said, so how do you define happiness? And once again, it'll be crickets. There'll be this elongated pause where they're like, I don't know. I said, what's the definition of happiness? And they're like, I don't know. So it's incredible. Every single person that I've worked with comes in here with this desire to be happy and wanting to be happy and they they will be happy and set up the positive end of the emotional spectrum when when they get what they want. Um, But no one knows really the definition of happiness is to be content. That that Mm. only comes from within. Which is that peace. Yeah, I'm, I'm content, and that's so the void has been filled. We're all buying Lamborghinis and Ferraris and shit to fill that void, or we're taking drugs, or we're posting on social media. Mm. So if we can create this contentedness inside of us and be happy with what we have today and what we have tomorrow, and they may be different, you know. And and this is the thing with the coronavirus, 
everyone's going to be financially affected by it. But if you're content with what you have and you can learn to have as little as possible, then you're going to be okay. Mm. And you can, and you can live in trust when you can meet those five basic human needs and become emotionally self-sufficient. You can live in trust where if you're outsourcing and need things to meet your needs for you, then you're going to be emotionally needy and then you're going to live in fear of either not getting these things or if you get them they're going to be taken from you at some stage yeah yeah so that's that's the void i think that we keep coming back to yeah i love it mate i love it i think if we are going to wrap things up i think a few key takeaways are right now if someone's struggling with this whole situation that's going on like can we just accept the situation for what it is can we let go of a lot of the bigger stories around why this shouldn't be happening or blah, blah, blah. Even the positive ones that people say, a lot of people are like, well, this is mother earth and she's just cleansing herself and it's really good. No, but that's a story as well, which yeah, we're, which we're creating to try and make ourselves feel better. Okay. Yeah. Um, and I was also encourage people to make the goal right now to find that contentedness within themselves. Even if there is financial struggle, you know, I'm going through financial struggle right now with all this and so many people are worse off, but we all are. But it's like, if we can be, if you can find that contentedness and that peace through this situation, then all of a sudden you be, this is what happened with me and drugs was kicking on back to my drug addiction today, but uh, it's, it's prevalent. Um, When I went through all that and I became really grateful for what I had when I had nothing, then all of a sudden, everything else that happens, of course, I'm going to be grateful for that because <laughs> it it's, it's better it than come. nothing. If it comes, let it come. If it goes, let it go. If it stays, let it stay. You know, and yeah. that comes back to the attachment. So my advice would be to to do uh, an audit on your relationships and see how attached you are to needing things to happen a certain way or needing things to be in your life. Have a look at the attachment of everything. And it, it's no surprise that the happiest people are those that can go out the back and, you know, to their own veggie garden and they're not reliant on the world meeting their needs. They're mm. self-sufficient. And, and on Very an empowering state. On an emotional level and on a, on a physical level as well. They can live just in a hut, just with some water and some rice and a chicken and a goat and the it's a very minimalistic life but they can they're content with that yeah love it mate love it all right i'm i'm, I'm glad we're back me too me too let's do this again <laughs> we're gonna uh we're gonna pump these out weekly i reckon yes you know yeah. we, we've got a bit more time on our hands so we're gonna get back into it we are going to pick different topics each each week i'd love to guys... get some um yeah i want to i want to get some questions uh because mm. i think we, we have a lot to, we can discuss and we we get into it well but i want to try and see if we can get some um questions from the listeners and, and start providing some answers to what people are sitting there wondering about yeah absolutely so um if you have any questions shoot them through um where can they send it? My, my email is ryan at the centerforhealing.com.au. Message me on Facebook or whatever. Yeah. Um, the Center for Healing on Facebook. For you, Nick, how could they get in contact? Yeah, hello at mindfit, M-Y-N-D-F-I-T.com.au. And same thing, um, Instagram, you can DM me. Uh, it's just at mindfit program or mindfit on yeah, my program as well at yeah. Facebook. So we'll, even we'll on, on, on either of our websites, on like yeah, a bloody form submission, you, you'll work it out. You'll work yeah, it out, guys. But send us. questions. Yes. Yeah, we want to. We we, uh, we we like hearing from people and um, 
hearing what people are maybe struggling with or want more clarity on or well then we can make it relevance to the people that are sitting there as well so yeah yeah true and um i'm going to start whacking these up on youtube as well I'm glad so, you said uh, on YouTube. Then I was like, I'm going to start whacking. And I was like, where is no, this no. going? Where is this going? That's a different tube. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, so we'll be on all the usuals iTunes, Spotify, Stitch Up. It will be on YouTube as well. And um, I'll start putting some small, like, snippets up on, on Instagram yeah. and all that Sweet. kind of jazz. Awesome, mate. Thank you, Nick. Thanks, everyone, well for tuning done. in. Great chat. Enjoy Thailand. Say hi to your fam. We'll talk about that next time, right? Okay. I'm in Thailand. I moved here even before the corona shit. But uh, yeah. All right. We'll speak to you soon. Peace out. Peace. Thank you for tuning into the Woke Blokes podcast. Please don't forget to subscribe to the show. Also, leave us a five-star rating. We thank you so much and we'll see you all next time.